Hey photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Your host, Nathan Holritz, here with the Boca Podcast, and uh, I am here with another, well, I say here, virtually here, with a brand new guest today, Stephanie Case. Stephanie, thanks for hanging out with me and chatting a little bit today about photographing wedding details. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's my privilege, truly. Uh, and, and I mean, this is, I've done 430 some odd episodes now. Um, it's a lot of content. I've had the chance to connect with a lot of photographers, but I, I truly still feel like it's a privilege to be able to. And and I know that we're going to be able to share something today that will be of value to someone listening in. So I appreciate you making time for all of us. I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording too. I, I loved your energy from the outset. Like I, I heard your voice, you logged onto Zoom and uh, you're just, you're bubbly and excited. And there's something about energy that really for me anyway, it makes a difference. When I'm having a conversation with somebody, connecting with somebody else that has energy, they're actually enthusiastic about the conversation, about having make, made a connection of some kind, That it's kind of contagious. Have you found that yourself? Oh, yeah, totally. And I've actually seen that play out so well with my photography business. And yeah. so many of my clients will say, like, you have so much energy and it's so contagious. And I just love that. So it is awesome. Yeah. And I think it is something that's definitely super helpful just in like educating, but also with my photography and like, yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> well, it really makes a, yeah, a difference. And, and I know that some people will be like, well, I'm not naturally a bubbly personality or I'm not naturally excited. And I get that because I think at some point in time, we all don't feel excited about something. Uh, I, I think there is some significance to, to being intentional and bringing energy to conversation. I try to do that with the podcast, certainly, but I've also been reminded as of late that I don't need to just do that for the podcast. I need to do that in all the conversations I have, including those who I'm you know, maybe most comfortable with, my kids, for example. It's easy to kind of, quote, turn off and, and not engage in them the same way that I might engage somebody when I'm out at a conference, for example. And I don't think that's fair. I want to be consistent in bringing a great energy to the conversation so they feel like I'm really into what we're talking about, into connecting with them. But I think, to your point, it's really important that we do the same thing with our clients, too. So I think this is a great way to start off the conversation. It's a good reminder. Uh, but before we get into, in fact, we're going to come back to, the, to this conversation about customer experience. I do want to ask you about brand position. This is one of my favorite questions that we ask here at the podcast. But I'm curious, for your business, your photography business, you also have an education platform. What is your brand position? Yeah. So as far as for my photography, um, what I like to say is I offer an organized, genuine experience for classic couples that are getting married. So for me, um, one thing that has really played out in my business, it's been really interesting is the fact that I'm super organized. And a lot of times I'm organized when I don't even realize I'm doing it. And I've kind of played to my strength with that. Yep. And I've really been able to market myself in a way that I'm attracting brides who also like want a photographer who's organized. So Kind of specifically how that plays out is like 
being on time with like the wedding timeline or helping them create a timeline or helping them before the wedding day with a lot of different things. Um, and then kind of bringing in that genuine aspect as well. For me, that really goes back to just being, I'm basically like a genuine person, just like genuinely being interested in them mm -hmm. and their story um, and the story of their wedding and not just showing up to photograph photos, but being interested in them as people too. And when you talk about classic couples, that's not a phrase that I normally see when I'm looking at photographers' websites or talking to photographers. What does that mean for you and how does that affect the type of client that you're bringing in? Yeah, I would definitely. So for me, that kind of goes back to I attract a lot of clients who have more of a classic style. So think like J. Crew, um, just very like timeless in that sense, but also in the sense of what kind of wedding they're having. So I don't attract a lot of intimate weddings. I don't attract a lot of elopements. I attract a lot of more bigger weddings where um, they're like in ballrooms or bigger venues and stuff like that. Okay. So that's kind of how that piece of it kind of comes to play. Interesting. Yeah. A little bit more traditional too. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. I mean, outside of stating it, and by the way, kudos to you for stating it right there on the, the homepage of your website for everybody listening in. If you go to Stephanie case, that's K A S E.com. You can see this, um, outside of stating that there on your homepage, do you somehow represent that idea elsewhere so that your clients are naturally attracted to you because of it? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, even, I mean, on my homepage um, and pretty much just thinking through like, everything I'm doing in my business, almost filtering it through these things. So in the clients I'm attracting as far as like what I'm sharing about on Instagram. So when I'm going to share like the images I picked to share, you know, relating it back to the classic bride and grooms or relating the caption is something about the experience I offer and like really relating to that. Or even in the email I send back to an inquiry, like pretty much just filtering every single thing that I'm doing. So I'm attracting these exact kinds of couples. And it's been really cool to see how it's played out because I do have couples coming back now in, in almost every review I'm getting at this point, they're saying, oh my goodness, like she was so organized and it was the best thing ever. So it's just really cool to see like by doing that, being so specific in that, that yep. I'm attracting couples who it's like I get them on that level and they totally love that about me. Yeah, specificity is huge, especially in a day and age where there is so much digital and, and literal noise sometimes in mm -hmm. our culture, um, in our world as photographers, and, and whether we're wedding photographers or portrait photographers, there are a lot of us. And so in order to stand out, specificity can make a really big difference. And I'm, I'm glad that you highlight that. We're going to come back to your education platform here in just a little bit. You've got a YouTube channel, which I had the chance to glance at earlier. And uh, again, love your energy, but we'll come back to that in just a little bit. Talk to me about, again, about customer experience. I know that you mentioned the significance of bringing energy and, and a genuine desire for connection with your clients to your clients. But is there any other element that you feel like has made a big difference for your company? Yeah, definitely. And I think it kind of comes back, it kind of relates to that, but it's coming back for me and having a really personal brand and how that's really played out for me as well and being really intentional with that. So for me, something that's super important is making sure I'm not just showing up to a wedding day just to take pretty photos or showing up to a session to take photos and then deliver them and then feel like then I'm just done, you know, um, but really making sure I'm getting to know my clients past that and being really intentional when I am with them, um, intentional with like my interactions with them, my emails with them and all of that. And part of that does come back to being willing to show up 
online and even with my clients um, really personally. And of course, like I think a lot of us know a lot about having a personal brand. And that doesn't mean you have to share everything about yourself on the internet or share everything about yourself with your clients, but being willing to share some of the things about you so you can connect with them on a personal level past just showing up and offering a service. And that's really for me, my business, um, that's just a huge principle that I really like to um, live out my business yeah. and making sure that I'm showing up and I'm just, I'm creating friendships with my couples and I'm still friends. Like even um, the last townhome we were in, I had in just in my little neighborhood, I had like three couples that had like their shot their wedding or was going to shoot their wedding and we would like hang out. Our dogs would like, we'd get our dogs together and hang out. And <laughs> so it's just, it was just so cool. If you know one thing about me, I am like, obsessed with my dog. So I, I was super happy about that. But it's just so cool to see how that's truly like, I don't know, it's just something that's so important to me. Um, and making sure that I'm not just showing up and doing a good job, obviously doing that. But besides that, also just like getting to know them and being able to relate to them on a personal level. Now, you mentioned your dog, your dog's name is Ember. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Her name's Ember. And what, what's the breed? <laughs> she's a sheep doodle. So she's a yeah, okay. she's a mix between a standard poodle and an old Inca sheepdog, and she's like the fluffiest thing ever, and it's so cute. Yeah, she kind of <laughs> looks like a stuffed animal. I'm looking at your Instagram account, and for everybody <laughs> yeah. listening, and we'll link to this in the show notes too at bocopodcast.com, but it's Stephanie Lynn Case, K-A-S-E, uh, and you can see pictures of Ember. And then your husband's name is Michael. I- I'm curious, when it comes to time management, I mean, it seems like you've got a lot on your plate as far as your business or businesses are concerned. How do you balance that effectively with your personal life, making sure that you have time for the important person and and animal in your life as well as for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be completely honest, just up front. Um, time can be really hard for me, and it's really hard for me. It's hard for me to, especially like after I'm done working, to turn off work brain sure. and like stop thinking about work. So sure. that's something I'm definitely not perfect at. I definitely still struggle with at times. Um, but something that's really helped me is almost just thinking about the concept of having more defined work hours. And that was something that was really hard for me my first four years of business because I grew in business through college. So I graduated a little over a year ago. And since graduating, just realizing like when I was in college, it was okay to sometimes like work my business in the evenings after classes or um, just at random times or on the weekends. But after graduating, I'm like, okay, probably I got to a point where I think I was tracking, I was working 60 to 70 plus hours a week. Wow. And I was like, this is, I'm like, this is not sustainable. I cannot be doing this. Um, I obviously like, I need to prioritize my relationship with my husband too. And I, I was about to get my dog and was super excited about that. I think that actually helped me a lot too, to realize like, okay, like I should probably like hang out with friends and hang out with my husband and not always be working. So, um, I just having those defined hours, setting those boundaries with my clients, letting them like, I feel like I, one of the fears I had, and I think a lot of photographers have is thinking if you set work hours or you're not constantly answering your emails or whatever that your clients are going to hate you for it basically. Um, but what I found is just setting those expectations of like, here are my work hours. Um, here's when you can expect to hear back from me um, within two business days after you respond. So if I need that extra margin to like take a random day off, I totally can. And they're going to be, I'm going to respond to them within a time frame I told them. Um, so just really having those set work hours has helped me a lot and being able to know if I get all my work done within those hours and I'm super motivated and just stay on top of it within those set hours, then once I'm done working for the day, I can like rest and kind of know that I've done a really good job in those hours I was given. Yeah. And if I'm finding myself like feeling frantic, like I can't complete things in those hours, then um, 
really just thinking about, okay, what all do I have on my plate? Maybe I need to hand some things off. Maybe I need to stop working on a certain project or something like that, reprioritize. But that's something that has just helped me a ton, especially in the past year and really just establishing work hours and sticking to those a little bit more. And outsourcing delegations is something we talk about quite a bit on the podcast. Naturally, I'm a bit biased because I own an editing company, but um, <laughs> I've seen this in my in my business or businesses over the years, the significance of being able to delegate something, a task or otherwise to someone else. Have you found any benefit in that activity if, if you've tried it at all? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. I, so I actually hired a photo editor way back. I think it was about four years ago now. And I have the same girl who still works for me, which is so awesome. Um, she, I actually hired her right after I photographed my first wedding. So my first year shooting weddings, I only second shot. I second shot about 20 weddings. And then the following year I booked, I think 17 weddings for myself and I was still in college and I, and I shot my first wedding, like in the summer when I was in classes And I remember spending the entire week afterward editing the wedding. Like that was all I was doing every day. And I was like, there is no way I can keep up with this (laughs) when I have classes to do in midterms in like October while I have weddings every weekend. So she was the first person I started outsourcing pretty early on, probably earlier on than most people. But um, I just realized I'm like, I need to make sure that I still have somewhat of a life and I can like do other things in my business to grow my business um, besides just editing. So I hired her. And then I also have a few other people that work for me. I have a virtual assistant. I actually, I've had several people over the years um, work for me, like including a couple of my sisters, but I ha- recently hired a girl earlier this year and she is a lifesaver. Like she, she kind of helps me, she helps me with the wedding side of things and cl- managing my clients, but also helps me with um, like the education, like uploading my YouTube videos. She's the one who formats everything, uploads wow. it, gets it scheduled, uh, writes the blog posts that go with it and like schedule all those out, all those social media posts. And then she just helps me with like a lot of really random tasks as well. So she, she's been awesome. Just it's, it's crazy when you start to realize how many things in your business you don't actually have to do that you can actually outsource and have people help you with. Um, and it's, she's just been so awesome to have this year. Well, the fact that you, that you've essentially just started your, your business, but are already so committed to this idea of delegation, I think is huge. And I'm curious if you comment on, you, you alluded to, the significance of having begun outsourcing your editing from the beginning. And this conversation is applicable, not just editing, but other elements of delegation as well. Some photographers will say, "Ah, it's just, it's too early. Like when I get busier, Mm -hmm. then I'll begin outsourcing or then I'll begin delegating. Can you comment on that idea having had experience doing it right away? Yeah. Yes. I will say one thing I hear a lot is photographers are scared that they won't be able to find their own editing style if they outsource too early and they won't be able to really like develop that as they go along. But I, what I will say is obviously my first shooting, my first wedding, I didn't know my editing style yet. It's changed so much since then. And my editor has almost been able to come along on that ride with me and just match my style sure. to however I edit. So like I edit some anchor images before I send it to her and then she's able to use those to kind of end the full gal. So I will say I still feel like I have that creative freedom. But another thing that I think is really important to remember is that editing takes up so much time. And there's so many other things that you can do in your business that help you to grow your business instead of just keeping your business running. So, you know, like marketing and doing social media and things that are going to help you to book more clients and, you know, raise the demand in your business and potentially like raise your prices and all of that. I feel like editing, even 
even though some photographers love it, I personally don't love it. I do the first, you know, hundred images and I'm like, okay, you can do the rest of it for me. Um, <laughs> but I think but that's yeah. a great example though, of, of kind of having the best of both worlds, right? Because I, I don't, mm-hmm. I know that editing, I mean, as a, as a company owner, I started the company something like 12 years ago now, having been burnt out on the idea of editing myself as a wedding photographer, I still enjoy editing. It could still be fun to pull images in the Lightroom and apply a preset and, and this kind of thing. But the, the bigger question I think that needs to be asked and that photographers should be asking themselves if they're trying to decide whether or not to, to outsource editing. Again, not just editing, whether it's admin work like you were talking about, Stephanie, um, or album design. or I mean, There are a list of things that we can potentially delegate. The question is, does me doing that activity actually help me grow my business? And if we can't, answer that in a straightforward manner, yes, then I think it makes sense to go ahead and at least begin looking for a solution, uh, assuming that we're generating the cash flow that will enable us to delegate that particular work, uh, because it'll enable us then to focus on the bigger picture, actually being a business owner and then figuring out how to help my company grow. And I think that should be the primary focus. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's such a good perspective to have and it's something that will take you so far. And especially for me, I know um, even pretty early on in my business, I knew I wanted to do other things with my business besides just photograph weddings. And not everyone's the same way. Some people do want to just photograph weddings for a long period of time, but I knew I wanted to get like into education and potentially do other things. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it all. And editing was kind of that first step of like, okay, like it's not something I have to do. And again, like I think college almost forced me to be like, okay, I'm already spending so much time working on my business. There's no way I can, you know, tack on another 20 hours a week trying to edit a wedding from every single weekend. So yeah, I love that. I think that's awesome. Talk to me about a favorite help or self-help book rather, or a business book, any book really that's made a big impact in your life in the last few years that you would recommend to our listeners. Yeah, I would say so as far as business book, one of my favorite business books that I've read is This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all, but I've, yeah, I've heard of it. I yeah, it's super good. I feel like he's just a genius at marketing and I've gotten so many ideas just reading his book. It's interesting because it's almost like broken up into all these little sections that you get to read about yeah. like different things, but yeah. it keeps it interesting and it's it makes you think, you know, like wow, like how can I apply this and make my photography business different? Um, so I love that book. Another book that I've recently read that kind of goes back to when I was talking about like the time thing is Essentialism. And I'm trying to remember the author's name. I don't quite remember off the top of my head. Um, but it, it's super good. And it's kind of going back to the idea of like figuring out what are the things only you can do. Um, and he almost breaks it down into even just like your whole life and not even business owners. But if you're working in like a full time job and stuff like that and people are delegating things to you and how to gracefully uh, be like, you know, share that like you can you can only do so many things in a 40-hour work week um so i love that book too it was super eye-opening and just super awesome to like think through okay like what are the things i actually need to be doing um and that i want to be doing that i'm actually really good at yeah essentialism is by greg McEwen. it's spelled m-c-k-e-o-w-n and we'll link to this uh, book as well as seth godin's in the show notes at bocapodcast.com uh, by the way, for everybody listening in, we also, if, if you go directly to bocabookshelf.com, just like it sounds, um, you can actually see a collection of the most popular books that are mentioned here on the Boca podcast. Haley's put that resource together, so you can check that out as well. Um, I, I, you mentioned, Stephanie, the significance of 
Seth's writing style and that it's going to you, you can read it in short chunks. And I've read I don't know how many of his books over the years. Uh, in fact, I own uh, this particular book about marketing that you just mentioned. This is marketing. I haven't. I don't think I've actually read that particular one yet. But his writing style is so easy to consume. You can literally sit down for three, four minutes, read a chunk, and then come back to it later on, and it still works. Um, and I think for those who are listening in, or maybe don't naturally, uh, aren't naturally drawn to reading, his is a great resource to go to. That's easy to consume. Doesn't take too much time. You can get something that'll benefit your business and potentially life as well. He's a really intelligent guy. I love his writing style. Yeah, no, I agree. I also, I am not, I mean, I love to read and I can read really quickly, but my attention span for focusing on reading is short. And so it is hard for me to sit down and read for long periods of time. Sure. But I do feel like his writing style is, is easy to sit down and read a bunch at once or even like little chunks at once and yeah. not feel like you're forgetting things or missing things because you can only read so much at a time. So highly recommend. Cool. Yeah. We'll put both of those in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Everybody take advantage of those show notes that Haley puts together for each of these episodes. But let's actually get to the main topic at hand, Stephanie, and that is how to capture wedding details in a really beautiful manner. And, and this is actually not something that we've focused exclusively on in a podcast episode to date, uh, years in and, and hundreds of episodes in. So I really appreciate you being willing to, to share. And I know this is a specialty of yours. I know ahead of time, you actually sent us some information. It was really helpful. You talked about the significance of conversation with the couple in advance of the wedding for the sake of being able to, to better capture details. What does that conversation sound like? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I think it is one of the biggest pieces to this because I think sometimes one of the biggest struggles is showing up and feeling like your couples don't care about it or they don't have everything ready for you. So honestly, I would say most of this conversation happens in just the way I'm educating them. So educating them through, I have an online wedding guide I sent to them that they can look at and it kind of lays out like, here's a list of details that you can um, have ready for me. And I tell them to have it ready right when I get there. So when I show up, everything's ready to go. And they're not having to spend 10 more minutes trying to walk around and find where they put the rings or where they put the shoes or anything like that. And even in emails, I have now when my clients um, book with me, I have emails that go out every couple of months that are kind of just sending them different tips and tricks and including um, about their details in that. But especially something that's been really critical for me is the week of wedding email. And that I've emailed... I don't include a ton in it, but I do include three main tips. And one of those is basically just reminding them like, hey, when I arrive, make sure that you have all of your details ready. Here's a list of the details to have ready and really emphasizing having all three rings there. I think that's something that can um, be really tricky because a lot of times they want to give it to the best man because he's going to have the bands at the ceremony, but then he's not going to be at the bride's getting ready location. <laughs> yep, and then, yep. it, then it's just kind of a mess logistically trying to get sure. it later. So um, really emphasizing that. And I found that really helps to keep it top of mind too. So that when I show up that they know exactly what's happening first, that I'm doing details and that they have everything completely ready for me. So what's the balance between when I hear you talking about making sure they have details ready for you? I mean, the reality, if I'm playing a little bit of a devil's advocate is, is that we're photographing their day. We're there to serve them, to take care of them. Mm -hmm. I also understand the flip side of the conversation, which is that in many cases, if we don't have conversations with our couples and create some awareness and manage expectations, we're not necessarily going to be able to deliver our best work effectively. So what would you say is the balance between saying, hey, help me out and then focusing on serving the, the, the client? And I know they're not mutually exclusive. What's, what's a healthy balance there? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think so. Part of it goes back to education um, and educating them on well, one, I how their details are important, um, how they're important in the sense of. And I know um, brides, if you just think about when a bride's planning a wedding day, they spend hours and hours thinking about all the different things that they're going to have for their wedding. Yeah. I know like when think about when I got married, I spent hours just thinking about what my earrings were going to be or <laughs> what my shoes were going to be. I'm like, yeah. why did I spend so much time agonizing over this? But I did. And I think most brides do too. And I think the exception c- could be if you're doing more like elopements, um, you're probably not going to have as many couples who maybe have as many details or really value that as much. But I think for most weddings, they do, they will value them somewhat. Um, and I think it's just educating them on, I think maybe it can come across that they don't care about them when in reality, they don't know how long it actually takes to photograph details to get the photos that they see in your portfolio right. or they see online that they really want. Um, they don't know that that takes a good 30, 45 minutes, depending on how much time they're willing to give their photographers. So really making sure that I'm educating them on that and that it does take a good amount of time, takes a good 30 minutes and making sure that they're including that in the timeline. When my couples book with me, I go ahead and um, send them an initial timeline up front. So it's nothing like set in stone, but just so they can get an idea. And it's almost kind of putting that in their heads. I mean, for so many different things, just about first looks and portrait time and all of that, but it also with details telling, like telling them up front, Hey, it's going to take at least 30 minutes to photograph your details and really setting that expectation pretty much from the time they book. So they know that they need to make sure they're allotting that time in their timeline um, and making sure that they're including that for you. So in addition to this conversation, which is, I guess we could, we could sum it up by saying education and expectations, managing expectations, right? Are there other things that you do personally to prepare in order to be able to to capture those details when you get to the event most effectively? Yes. Yeah. So besides educating my couple, one thing that I love to do is to bring a styling kit and styling boards. I know these are super popular. Um, One thing I will say with this is just to make sure that, and almost going back to your last question of how do you find that balance of, you know, wanting to get these details because they're really pretty and good to have for your portfolio, but also serving them, Um, making sure that with these things that you're bringing is you're using them to complement the couple's details and not overpower them. So when I say um, a styling kit, I'm talking about like, you know, ribbons, ring boxes, uh, fabrics and trays and stamps and all of those fun things that photographers like to bring along. I think um, one thing that's really important to keep in mind with that is to make sure that you're not, you're not including too many things in a set of details. So it feels like half the details are just your styling kit, if that makes sense. Um, So usually I try to only include maybe one or two things from my styling kit just to complement and kind of bring bring a little more life to the details if they didn't give me, especially if they didn't give me a whole lot. And if there's maybe just a pair of shoes and maybe just the engagement ring because they forgot the wedding bands, um, making sure, like I still have a couple of things that help me to just add a few extra things that actually happened to me at a wedding this past fall. Um, I showed up and literally all she had to give me was one piece of her invitation. So it wasn't a suite or anything like that. And she was wearing like tennis shoes under her big ball or ball gown. So she didn't even have shoes to give me that she wanted photographed. And I think the only other thing I had was her engagement ring because she forgot the bands. So I was like, okay, I got to take this and make sure I can still photograph it and make it look pretty. And what really helped me was bringing a styling kit. And I remember I used the tray and I used the fabric from that to really create a really beautiful, um, 
at least one main image for them that still highlighted her details. So that's something I would make sure to bring, um, bring a styling kit, bring styling boards. They're super helpful, especially if the couple doesn't have a lot of details to give you, or you want to add one or two things just to really help bring it to life. And then another thing I do that really helps me to prepare. And this is honestly, it's kind of on the day of the wedding, but it's making sure um, that I'm arriving early to take advantage of all of the time that they're giving me. And I know I, at least for me personally, I'm more, I like to arrive super early just to make sure there's no chance that I'm ever going to be late to wedding because that would just, I would be like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but I always like to make sure I arrive early too, because with those details, I know that, you know, when I get to the bridal room, I'm going to want to say, hey, and say hi to all the bridesmaids and meet them all, meet the moms and talk to the bride, see how she's doing. And then she has to go give me her box and I have to find a spot. And by the time I do all of those different things, it's almost to my shooting start time. Even if, so if I arrive 20 minutes early, then it's to the time that we had allotted in that timeline. Whereas if I had arrived, walked into the bridal suite at my start time, um, more than likely I wouldn't actually be start shooting till at least halfway through that 30 minutes that the couple gave me. And then I only have 15 minutes now. So that's something that I do too, that's super helpful, um, making sure that I have enough time and I don't feel too stressed. Um, to photograph all their details. And the time frame is that normally when you when you tend to photo, photograph these details as early in the day as the the bride is getting ready for example? Yeah, yeah. So I typically do it right when I first arrive. I find it just to be easiest because she hasn't put on her dress yet. She hasn't put on her um, jewelry yet. She hasn't put on like, you know, rings or anything like that. So everything can easily just be set in a box and be given to me. So I find it just to be the easiest time to go ahead and do the details. That's smart. Okay. Now you mentioned earlier 30 minutes to photograph these details. Um, it's something that you let us know ahead of time prior to this conversation was that you're able to deliver about a hundred detail images to your clients with just this 30 minutes of photography on the wedding day. And I, first of all, when I was photographing weddings, um, and I started back in about 2001 and photographed about 2012 or so the idea of a lay flat and photographing details in these ways, uh, that's, that have become so popular just wasn't a thing. Um, so I don't have context to this conversation, but first of all, spending 30 minutes seems like a lot, but then the flip side of that conversation is you're able to capture not only capture, but actually deliver a hundred detail images with those 30 minutes. This is, this is a really impressive feat of the, the, the capture of these wedding details. Can you just explain this workflow for our listeners? Cause I, this is something that I'm sure will pique some curiosity. Yes, definitely. Um, so I've definitely been able to develop a workflow for my details over the years that has allowed me just to be super fast and efficient with it while getting so much variety. So the first thing I do when I walk into the bridal suite is I photograph her dress and I do this for a couple of reasons. One, so I don't forget afterward. Um, I've had occasionally where I forget to do the dress first. And then after I do the lay flat, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot the dress. So I always make sure to do that first. Just like I'm, you hang it somewhere simple, like on a door or um, something on a wall or, or like a really clean wall or something like that. And I normally go ahead and photograph the bridal dress first. And I also do that because sometimes the groom, sometimes they're getting ready, like at the same place at the same hotel. And the groom might be arriving just a little bit after I do, just because he doesn't need as much time to get ready. And I want to make sure I get the dress done first. So if it's in like a main area of the building that there's no way he's going to see it. So I go ahead and do the dress first. It usually takes me um, a few minutes to do that. And then after that is when I'm doing the lay flat images. So if you've ever photographed lay flat images, you know that 
it seems like it wouldn't take you that long, but once you start actually photographing them and laying things out, like I could spend hours adjusting and tweaking yeah. and, you know, doing different shots and things like that. But when you're on a real wedding day and you only have 30 minutes, you got to make sure you get it done fast while still being creative. I think that can be one of the tricky parts. So the, the main idea I like to think about when it comes to this is going from big to small. So when I say big, um, it's there's like three main big shots that I like to get when it comes to my lay flat. So the first one is an invitation suite. So this is um, like the main invitation piece with the RSVP card and the info card and anything else that they gave you with that. The second one is all of the bride's details together. So these are her shoes, her jewelry, her earrings, um, her engagement ring, all of those things. And then the third one is all the groom's details if I'm able to get those. Sometimes I'm in a different place and it's not really possible for me or I have my second shooter do it if they're going to the groom's getting ready um, spot. But those are like the three main big shots I get. And those are the three I do first. So I know that those are shots that I know I'm going to want for every wedding, regardless, like at least one good shot of the invitation suite all together and laid out pretty. Uh, one big shot of the bride's details, one big shot of the groom's details. So I'll get those three shots first and then I go into small shots. And when I say small shots, I mean individuals of every detail that the bride is giving me. And I'm making sure um, I'm photographing every single detail she's given me. So even if it's not something I necessarily want to share um, in the blog post or online, that's totally okay. Uh, but just making sure that I'm photographing everything she gave me because kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier with like the why behind it, it's not just to have pretty images for your portfolio, but it's really to photograph those memories for your couples and photograph the things that they've been planning and photograph the details that they're super excited about and super excited to wear. So making sure I'm photographing like a shot, like, um, so say like just the earrings together and then just the necklace by itself and then just the rings by itself and getting like those individuals of each detail. Does that make sense so far? It does. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been really easy to follow. So thank you for that. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so the, okay. So within those things, um, there's three main ways I'm getting variety and this is how I'm getting so many images just within all of these different shots. So I'm making sure I'm getting like horizontals and verticals of everything. So not, you know, with the invitation, I think it can be easy to just take that one like wide horizontal shot and be like, okay, that's it. Um, but really there's so much more you can do with a full invitation suite set out with everything. Um, so making sure I'm doing a horizontal and vertical of everything, making sure I'm doing like a wide shot, like a far, you know, far away shot with like, where you can see everything in the photo, but also getting up close of like the little details. So like with the invitation um, suite, making sure I'm getting like an up close of just the main piece of the invitation, up close of just the RSVP card, an up close of the info card, up close of the ring box you have sitting next to the invitation. And um, the other thing I'm thinking about is once I've done those things, is I'm getting the getting it at different angles. So instead of just doing, um, for example, with the invitation suite, instead of just getting that one shot from above that most photographers um, think to get, even changing up your angle and like getting from the side and down low a little bit more. Um, or same thing with shoes. Instead of just shooting shoes, kind of like at um, a straight on angle. Um, like you normally would shoot an invitation suite, you're shooting it straight from above. So just really mixing that up. You take those three ways and integrate it into all of those different shots that you're getting, you can start to see how you can get so much variety even within all of those shots that you're doing. Um, and it sounds like a lot, but once you once you start to practice and get it down um, and kind of keeping in mind like, okay, going big to small, 
and then having those um, going the big shots first and then doing the small shots. Those are, and then just making sure you're getting variety within all those things. That's how you can get so much in your details gallery. And then one thing I like to do here too, because I mean, it's, it's great to be efficient, but then I think one thing that's hard with wedding days is because you're on a crunch timeline, um, you feel like you're not able to get creative. And one thing that I do to make sure I still have that time to feel like I could be a little bit creative is to save my very favorite detail for last. So I can maximize any extra time that I have after I've gotten all those shots that I know that I really need, that I can have extra time to really play with that detail. And for me, and I think for a lot of photographers, I think we love to photograph ring shots. Um, and I love just doing so many different things with the rings, doing different backgrounds, doing different angles, doing different setups. And so I always save the rings um, for last. So whenever I'm doing those small shots, like the individuals of all the different details, um, I'm doing like just the bouquet, then just the shoes and just the earrings, but I'm saving the rings for very last because then I can, you know, if I get to that and I'm like, wow, I still have 10 minutes left, then I can spend a whole 10 minutes just photographing the rings. Or sometimes that's even when I'll pull out the invitation suite again and try a few different setups if they had a really cool invitation suite. So that's kind of like overall my main workflow going into a wedding and how I'm able to get so much in such a short amount of time. Well, and just to give a, a small example of the work that you do for everybody listening in, if and, and we'll, we'll maybe embed this or link to this if it's okay with you, Stephanie, in, in the show notes, but your February 24th uh, Instagram post, there's an example of this very work that you're talking about. One of the things that struck me about this particular image um, that is quite interesting, quite fascinating, you talked about shooting from different angles, but you've even positioned the shoes in the bottom right-hand corner of this frame and create a direction kind of guiding the viewer's eyes through the image. And that lines up with the, the envelope um, for the invitation. It's really impressive work actually. So major props to you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. One thing I like to think about when I'm like setting up these different shots from like a um, stylistic standpoint is making sure the photo has balance. So making sure like if I'm adding, say I'm adding florals to one side of the photo that I'm adding something else in the other side. So it doesn't feel like like there's just too much going on in one area. Cause I know I hear a lot of photographers say that they feel like they're, they're giving just like this clump of stuff and they're like, I have no idea what to do with this. <laughs> yep. Um, so that's one thing too I like to think about is like, especially when it comes to like invitations or um, those big shots I was talking about is like picking, okay, what's going to be the focal point, set that in the middle. It's so like the main piece of the invitation and then kind of styling around that and making sure things are kind of balanced on each side. So it doesn't feel like you just have one big clump of stuff in the middle, if that makes sense. Well, it's, this particular image is certainly well balanced. The colors, color combinations are incredible. Again, the direction through the image is really impressive. Uh, the the florals that you mentioned a second ago are those. I mean, did you pull that from like a bouquet, or did you? How did you go about getting those? Because it matches everything else so well. Yeah, it really depends on the wedding. It, honestly, um, it depends on. I try this goes back to the education piece too. I do have a, um, when I'm educating my clients, I tell them to, if at all possible to have their bouquets delivered, um, like maybe 30 minutes before I arrive. So, and this typically works pretty well if they're doing a first look anyway, and they're going to need their bouquets pretty soon after that. But if it's possible, um, and if they do that, and if I know that and it's in their timeline, because I, in my questionnaire, I send them before the wedding day, I actually ask them like when the bouquets are going to be delivered so that I know this ahead of time. And if they are 
are going to be delivered at the same location where I'm going to be shooting. And before I arrive, then I will actually email the florist and ask if there's any way they can include extra blooms. And it wow. totally depends on, it totally depends on the florist. It depends on how willing they are to do that. Obviously they don't have to, um, but it's just something extra. I know some florists really appreciate lay flat images as well and love having that. So I tell them like, Hey, like I'm going to be at the same location. If you don't mind, um, maybe just extra blooms that don't end up into the bouquet or any of the other floral pieces, or maybe ones that just snap too short and you're not able to use anymore. I asked them if there's any way they can include those. And especially some of my florists that I've worked with over and over again, that we've developed that relationship. Um, they're more than willing to do that because they know they're going to get awesome images from me. That's a really great idea. Okay. So make sure everybody listening in, you go to the, this February 24th post. And again, well, maybe we can try to embed it in, in the show notes so everybody can see, but um, it's, it's really beautiful example of the various things that Stephanie's been talking about here. Beautiful job there. And let me actually, well, a couple of more questions, actually. One, is there a particular lens that you prefer to shoot with when you're shooting these details? Yes, I shoot the majority of my details with my 50 millimeter. And then for macro shots, like ring shots or cufflinks, I usually switch to my 90 millimeter macro lens from Tamron. Um, and my 50 millimeter, I'm actually, I shoot with the Sigma Art lens. Um, I absolutely just love the Sigma Art. They're just awesome. I've heard um, good things, yeah. Yes. And going kind of going back to that workflow, when I'm going big to um, small, those big shots I'm doing my 50 millimeter with. And then even within, if you want to break it down even more within the small shots, like there's some I will use my 50 millimeter for. And I'll do those um, at the forefront of my small shots because I won't have to switch lenses again. Um, and then I'll go ahead and switch to my macro lens whenever I do like the ones that need a macro lens, like the rings and the cufflinks and that. I'll do that at the end of my small shot. So just like maximizing time even more there. But those are my two favorite lenses. I used to shoot all my details. Okay. So you broke up just a little bit as you were talking about the 50 millimeter and then the 90 millimeter. Those are the two choices. Yes. Yep. What, what's the depth of field on, on those two lenses? So the 50 millimeter, it goes down to 1.4 okay. and then, but I usually shoot for details. I shoot higher around like 3.5. For the majority of a wedding day, I shoot around, I do shoot pretty low at around 2.0, but for details, I like things to be a little bit more in focus. Yeah. So I'll bring my aperture up a little bit more. And then for the Tamron, it also goes down to, I want to say 2.8, but it's at a certain, because you, the way like you, like it depends on how like close you are to your sure. subject. Sure. That makes sense. And like how low you can go down. Um, so it, it kind of depends on that, but I, I typically just shoot as low as I can on that. Um, cause I'll be like inside in a low light setting. You bring up an interesting point though, about depth of field and photographing details. I mean, I, I know it's, and it has been for quite a while. It's been the thing to do to, you know, just open that lens wide open and shoot everything that way. And everything has got a really super shallow depth of field, but we're talking about details here, which you're hoping the client can see and appreciate and remember uh, for years to come. We do want to make sure we don't open it up so wide that, that they can't actually see those details. So I'm glad that you highlight that as well. But I have one other question for you, and that is to do with your workflow after the wedding. And something you highlighted to us ahead of time uh, is the significance of, of these images as it relates to your relationship with the wedding vendors. How do you leverage these detail images in this way? What does that workflow look like after the wedding? Yeah, this is a really great question. And it's something I love talking about because 
I think it's something we hear a lot about, about sending images to vendors and sending them galleries and building relationships that way. But to be completely honest, um, just talking with photographers and asking photographers about it. I don't know that many photographers that do this. I don't know if it's in my area or something else, but I think a lot of us know we should be doing it, but a lot of us actually putting it into practice and incorporating it in our workflow is where we stop. We don't actually incorporate it into the way that we're um, delivering galleries and stuff like that. And I just want to say it is one of the biggest ways I've been able to build relationships with vendors in my area and stand out from other photographers and get to work with them more because I'm willing to share images um, of my work from weddings we work together. And if you think about it, vendors really do rely on us for images of their work at weddings. And by no means am I trying to say either that photographers should be forced to share images. I don't think that's true at all, but I do think it's a really, really smart business move to be sharing images because, um, because vendors rely on us for photos of their work from real weddings that they photograph or that they're, they've worked with you. Yeah. So I think it is a really cool way to build those relationships and to, um, yeah, just like get, build that referral network in your area with other vendors because you are sharing images. So as far as when it comes to details and how I'm kind of leveraging that with uh, my images. So it kind of starts with the questionnaire I send to my couple before the wedding. So this is where in this questionnaire, I'm asking my couples um, to give me the emails of every single vendor they're working with. And this makes it really, really easy for after the wedding to send those galleries onto those vendors. So all I have to do is go in the questionnaire, copy and paste the emails over. And I even have like an email template that kind of lays out like, hey, here's the gallery, here are the images and all of that. And you're more than welcome to use them, like, you know, telling them how they can use them, how to credit me, all of that. And I literally just have to copy and paste the gallery link, copy and paste the emails and send it over. And it's just so awesome um and honestly so easy once you have it in place so definitely send that questionnaire beforehand so you have the vendor emails handy you're not trying to like go search for them afterward because that that would just be super difficult honestly trying to figure out like remember what vendors you worked with at each wedding and trying to yeah that would just be crazy so definitely sending a questionnaire before is super super um beneficial so that you can send those those images after the wedding. Um, and another thing that I've done that has actually helped me to stand out too is emailing key vendors before wedding day and asking what kinds of images they, they would love to have. So if there are certain, if there's something that they're especially excited about. So think maybe, um, especially when it relates to details photos. So think about like the planner, think about the florist, think about um, there's a stationer involved. Ask them if there's like certain images that they would really love to have, whether it's like a certain composition or a certain like perspective or something like that. And I have done this with several vendors that I have either worked with a lot in the past and when I keep working working with and I just have that relationship with them or I have done this with vendors that I want to work with more um, and I want to just work more weddings with them and get referrals and send it back and forth so doing that can help you stand out from other photographers especially when it comes to details because so many of the vendors we're working with have something to do with details photos, right? So whether it's the lay flats or the bridal dress, or whether it's even like reception details, if you don't think about it that broadly, um, so many vendors are a part of that. And almost going back to the workflow too, like getting variety of all of these details really is helping to serve the vendors well, because like with the invitation, if you're not just getting that one hor big horizontal shot and then calling it good, if you're getting a ton of variety within that, the vendors are able to go in and they have so much more to choose from to use in different parts of their own marketing um, and just helping in that relationship with them. So definitely getting variety helps so much with that. 
Well, at the end of the day, I mean, this is such a great way to be able to add value. If we're looking for opportunities to develop relationships, working relationships that will later benefit us, the first thing we need to be doing is looking to see how we can add value. And this is such a great way to do it. And it really doesn't take that much effort if you're even somewhat organized about it. Um, when it comes to delivering that link that you mentioned earlier, are you are you creating a dedicated gallery just for that particular vendor? Or are you just linking them to the wedding as a whole? What does that look like? Yeah. So for me right now, my workflow and how it looks, I just send them the same gallery that my couples are getting, but okay. I do give them instructions and tell them, Hey, like there's a bar across the top. You can navigate to the different parts of the wedding day there. I've just found that to be the easiest way. Cause otherwise it would take me at least a couple extra hours having to upload a new gallery and figure out what to send to what vendors and stuff like that. Sure. So for me, that's just been the easiest way. Um, I just send them the gallery and just have that template email that gives them instructions on how to find the different parts of the day. Cool. This has been such practical information. I mean, I've, I've taken gobs of notes. I know there's a lot more information to be had. Speaking of adding value, I mean, you, you have a whole YouTube platform um, for sharing ideas with photographers. Maybe you can just go ahead and highlight again your website, your social media, and then talk a little bit about your YouTube channel and your education platform as well, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Thank you. This has been so awesome. Um, so you can find me. So my website is stephaniecase.com and it's case with a K, K-A-S-E. My Instagram is at Stephanie Lynn Case, again with a K. Um, my YouTube is at Stephanie Case. If you just search my name, you should be able to find me there. And then I also have a free download. Um, if you guys are interested at all in learning more about this, um, it's called Six Secrets for Photographing Wedding Details. And it's at stephaniecase.com slash details. And it just includes some more tips, especially on the more stylistic side and how to like lay things out and stuff like that. If you're looking for more tips on that, um, and it includes a free checklist of all the details that I asked my bride to have ready for me for when I arrive. So it makes that super easy. Um, but yeah, I love, I love my doing my YouTube videos. It is so much fun to just be able to share more about photography and business and getting to pour into others. And I seriously can't love it more. Well, you've, you, again, you bring that same energy. I, I clicked on one of the videos earlier and started watching it. You bring that same energy that you brought to this conversation, you bring it to the video. So everybody listening in, make sure you go check out uh, Stephanie's YouTube channel as well. There's actually quite a bit of content there and you've got thousands of subscribers already. It's pretty cool. Uh, we'll make sure to link to all of this, including the free download in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Stephanie, thanks once again for making time for all of us. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy I could be here. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial-free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, PhotographersEdit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.